Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you I'm can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Hello again, and welcome to Crime and Music. I'm your host, Brian G. Kinsley, and with me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. With, with you, and with you, <laughs> with, with, they don't know. Oh, with you virtually through the magic of the internet. Every other week, Ben and I'll bring you a new true crime podcast about people in and around the music industry and their misadventures into lawbreaking. If you like that sort of thing, share with a friend, tell a relative. Right now, we're trying to get people in Europe. So if you know anyone who lives in Europe, any part of Europe is fine. Spain, uh, Andorra. Jeez, and- Andorra. We go from Spain to Andorra. I went to college with a guy from Andorra. It was nice. Uh, I know that trivia. Uh, so. Wasn't the bewitched um, grandmother's name Andorra? I think it was close. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have friends in Europe, uh, I'm saying Europe, yep. by the way. I'm just using the yep. North American uh, mid-Atlantic Stuart. accent. Stuart. Yep. Uh, if not, and you have friends in the Atlantic Northeast, we need that as well. So if you know someone who's Maine in the Maine, send them an episode. Tell them your, send them your favorite episode. Tell them to check us out. That would be a big help. Find us on all the social medias at Crime in Music or give us an email, feedback at crimeinmusic.com. Uh, my favorite is a SpeakPipe. So uh, you go to our website, that's, hit no, the SpeakPipe button. That's my favorite. I'll fight you for it. Okay, it's our both favorite. We'll share. But right. if you like, guys, you can actually leave a voicemail message with us. Just go to the, the website, drop down to SpeakPipe, hit the button, record a message. No matter what, you'll uh, be able to leave a message with us. You don't have to leave your email name or any other type of identifier. I'm just off the rails at this point. And, and, you're, part, so and you're part of the show. You are. Yeah. yeah. And there's actual, there's speak pipes coming up later today. So you'll hear some of them. Um, so, uh, I just want to let, every, do that er, too. let everybody know though, Brian, the only reason I'm even doing this is because we have feedback. We got, we got speak pipe stuff. Brian told me we had some other, other, Oh, that sounds like a daddy pop just came out. Oh yeah. Uh, we have some other people on at the end of the show. So that's, that's what really, you know, gets, uh, gets me in the, in the virtual studio here. Hearing from the people that, you know, we're people. Okay, we're people. We have feelings, and just want to shout out to uh, one of the mascots in the studio. Passed away here. How long ago, Brian? A couple months, about a month ago. About a- oh yeah, no, yeah. okay, about a month ago. Yep, yep, yep. It's one of his two huge uh, uh, golden retrievers. Passed away. Always, and, uh, always with the dogs, people. We're dog people. So if yeah, you're dog, dog people too, hey, you know what? That's the thing I said for people uh, around when that happened. I was like, hey, we're dog people too. So send us a picture of your dog on any of the social medias. Send me an Instagram of your dog. Let's see what the listeners of Crime and Music's dog family looks like. I would be curious to that. So you just have dogs. I got a cat and a frog. Two dogs, <laughs> a cat, and a frog. That's pretty good, <laughs> Brian. So we're we're recording from uh, home today. Brian and I are not in the same studio. It nope. was a it was a matter of not as much uh, COVID prevention, but just I uh, what would you call it ease of uh, uh, we had to get our schedules synced. This is the way we schedules, do it. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And so we're getting ready. We're talking back and forth. And Brian says, he's like, hey, dude, you got somebody like running some water in the background? Well, you got some, <laughs> somebody taking a shower? What, what's that noise? It was. Like, I don't know. Nobody's in here. I kicked the family out. I, the TV's on mute. And he's like, it's like a trickling. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the fish tank. I'll unplug that. So I got a, I got an African water frog over there in the corner. Big, wow. huge, white, huge, like, black fangs on its teeth. Or on its, uh, Jeez, on its feet. What? Not on its teeth. No, not, oh. not teeth. And <laughs> it, <laughs> my brother gave it to us as a joke um, 10 years ago. The things lived wow. to be. Wow. They lived to be, like, 20. <laughs> Your frog outlived my dog. Yeah, that's not help. supposed to happen. <laughs> that little amphibian's going to outlive a lot of dogs. Oh my God! Uh, what's it taste like? Chicken. Chicken. Uh, no, I, I assume you're licking this toad. So that's what a lot of people do. They get those African toads in so they can go trip and Joe Rogan see the moon. No, no, I'm not. I, no, <laughs> nobody in the house even likes touching that thing. It'll come up. You put your finger in the tank. It'll come up and bite your finger. Well, with those fangs, I'm not letting it do that. Well, claws, talons. It's got talons. <laughs> Big, huge talons. It's a griffa frog. What are you? What are you doing, Dungeon Master? What What have you brought into this world? Yeah, yeah. It's a Pokemon frog. It's like that Simpsons when Bart, like, uh, they're busted on Harry Potter, and he makes a frog prince. It's like I'm not supposed to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. It seems like decades ago I gave up on the Simpsons, and and it was. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. They're still around though. But they're still things like we'll never die. <laughs> Speaking of The Simpsons, today in this episode, we're going to talk about three things. Jessica Simpson. We're going to talk about trend setting. OJ Simpsons. OJ Simpson. Well, that's true. Perseverance. Trend setting. Perseverance. Okay. And commies. Commies. We're a little boy. You hear a word like that. Like that. All right. right, are you ready for Guess the Guess? Guess the Guess. All right, this time on Guess the Guest. I'm going to name things. You're going to have to guess them and see if you know who they are. All right. Well, this person's see, is... What, one of my things I like to do is try to see if you give up any like information before we start. And so you didn't... You gave up a couple things, but I think they're rather cryptic. I haven't limited, limited it to a... Uh, Male or a female, a group, an individual. So, all right, uh, it's gonna be a toughie. All right. Oh, first question though, I get to ask: Do I know who this is? Absolutely. Okay, I like the. These are the ones I have fun with. <laughs> all right, here we go. Technicolor Tessie. Technicolor Tessie. I'm going with a lady at this point, possibly. Um, Mama Cass. Uh, no. Because I'm thinking tetna- Technicolor, I'm thinking that that age where we went from black and white to color. You got a minute, and I got a bunch more hints. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Roll them Ricardo out. Alberto Fernando Ricardo Ida Aka. Ricky Martin. Ooh, there's a Ricky in there, but not Ricky Martin. Queen of the B movies. Ricky, uh, Ricky Sand, uh, Ricky Ricardo. <gasps> That's one of them. Cuban what? conga drummer. So, first lady of the television. Desi Arnaz? Well, again, you got one of them, so... We'll... Lucille Ball? Hey! All right. Hey. All right there. That's what we're doing. We're Today, we're doing I Love Lucy, Lucille Ball, and Desi Arnaz. Oh, man, I'm going to have to send this one to my old man. Oh, we'll see if we get a half huge, of this stuff right. 
He's a huge fan. He's a big fan. <laughs> well, good. Uh, she had a lot of big fans, so hopefully this will be a good one. <laughs> so that's who we're talking about. August 6, 1911, born Lucille Desiree Ball. Uh, Lucille Ball in uh, 69th Stewart Avenue, Jamestown, New York, USA, to parents Henry Durrell Ball, her dad, and Desiree Dee Dee Evelyn Ball, her mom. Her ancestors were mostly English, but a few were Scottish, French, and Irish, so she got that going for her. Were uh, they the ones responsible for the ball jar, the Mason ball jar? Uh, they could have been. I will tell you, some of her uh, earliest settlers in the 13 colonies were the Balls. Oh, so uh, right. her, her family belonged to the Baptist Church. Her father was a lineman for Bell Telephone. Uh, as part of her dad's work for Bell Telephone, he's frequently transferred. He's got to move around the country. The family moves often. They move from uh, Jamestown there, like I was telling you, to Anaconda, Montana. Then they're on to Trenton, New Jersey. And February 15th, uh, 1915, while living in Wyandotte, Michigan. Oh, Michigan. All right. Yes, uh, living in Wyandotte, Michigan. Her father dies of typhoid fever at seven, uh, at twenty-seven years old, and Lucille Ball is only three. So we, we we don't hear a lot of people dying of typhoid anymore these years. I mean, unless you're playing Oregon Trail or something. <laughs> With that, right? That's the only time I've heard of it. That's I was like, oh, this is about Wyandotte, and then I'm like, oh, he dies of typhoid. I'm like, oh. Huh. And he not, got past it. He work. got past the dysentery. <laughs> that was the hardest part for me. Drowned, uh, drowned in the river. Tried to cock the wagon. Should have hired an Indian. When you try to fjord the river, man, those damn cattle drowned, and then the whole everything gets all chucked in. Anyway, oxen, it doesn't matter. Oxen, your oxen drowned. Even worse than her dad dying at the time of his death, Dee Dee, her mom, is pregnant with her second kid, and uh, balls. Which we'll get to her nickname of Balls <laughs> later. That's that's literally what they called her. So uh, balls, oh, balls. Ba- balls recalls little from that day her father died, except uh, there was a bird that got trapped in the house, which caused her to have lifelong ornithophobia, or fear oh, really? of how birds. Old, how old was she when her dad died? Well, let's see, 1915, she was born 11, in four. 11, so call her yeah. four. Yeah, three, three, yeah. four. Okay. So... Uh, Ball's mom returns to New York, where her maternal grandparents, Ball's that is, like, so she, her mom goes back to her grandparents, her mom's house, and uh, they raise her and her brother Fred in Cilarone, um, New York. That's a summer resort uh, on the village of Lake Chattaquitta, 2.5 miles west of downtown Jamestown. Cilarone Park is a popular amusement area in the United States, and at the time, its boardwalk had a ramp to the lake that served as a children's slide. There was the pier ballroom. They had a roller coaster, a band stage, uh, and another stage where vaudeville concerts and regular theatrical shows were put on. Uh, clue the kids in on what vaudeville was. Um, that was like the TV without the TV. Bunch of small acts that go on small stages. Vaudeville was a bunch of. I mean, it might be acting. It might be singing. It might be a knife throwing magic act. It might be people. That's. When you think of vaudeville, the first thing that comes to my mind is when there was an act up on stage right. that was not good, or you know, the the crowd at least didn't think it was good. That's when they'd start like throwing you know rotten fruit at them, tomatoes and <laughs> crap like that. But it was a very um, a free, open sort of air acting entertainment. 
Um, and that's where a lot of what we saw early on in television came from was a lot of these vaudeville acts came in, you know, whether it was a magic act or a singing act or a quick uh, Abbott and Costello sort of thing. But I don't know. I think that's a vaudeville. Yeah, man. But where, what, where was this at New York? What was the name of the city? The name of the city was Celeron C- Park. C-E-L-O-R-O-N Park. Celeron Park. Chattaquitta. Uh, Lake Chattaquitta. Chappaquiddick? No, not. No, no. <laughs> not going there. You want to check out other true crime stories and shows, you go ahead. I think like, he just blamed that on bad directions. Like I, I wanted to turn left. It went right. It was slippery. Um, let's see here. So, yeah, they were doing vaudeville shows up there. They move uh, Balls and her brother Fred. Um, four years after her dad's death, Dee Dee, Balls' mom, uh, marries Edward Preston. Now, while her mother and stepfather look for work in another city, Ed's parents cared for uh, Balls and her brother. So now you got the stepdad's parents watching you. And so yeah. uh, her step-grandparents are a puritanical Swedish couple who banished all mirrors from the house except for over the bathroom sink. That makes total sense to me. Well, sure. <laughs> Don't want to steal my spirit, get it no. trapped in a mirror. I've seen this- Cinderella. I've been to Ikea. They're not big on mirrors. They'll get you some meatballs, but you, there are no mirrors around. Is that seriously? Is that, are the Swedish do you have a problem with mirrors? But no, I don't know. No. Oh. <laughs> Look into bold, it, everybody. That's yeah. a bold statement there, Mr. Brian. Taking a swing at the Swedes. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because uh, one time when Balls was young, she was caught admiring herself in the mirror, and she got screamed at for being vain. <laughs> Quote, unquote, admiring. <laughs> that sounds like there's a little bit more of that story. Just looking at myself. Uh, when Balls turned 12, her stepfather encouraged her to audition for the Shriners organization that's in need of uh, entertainers for the chorus line for their next big show. Okay. So Shriners are just local fraternal group, and uh, you know they put on shows and stuff. While Balls is on stage, she realizes performing is a great way to gain praise, and her appetite for recognition is born. She's like, oh, this is awesome. Addicted so today, to the limelight. Today she would just be a podcaster. Oh, well, or YouTuber probably. She liked the visuals. I- I do, I do, I do like the nickname because you know if if anybody's been listening to our shows for a while, they'll notice that we don't. Or Brian doesn't necessarily use the name of the subject whom we're talking about. You already have uh, the fame. You don't need me boosting you up more. All right, yeah. So I mean, <laughs> what up, balls? <laughs> so, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, that's explained away. She is actually given that nickname. Um, let, we'll get there. Hey, I think it's funny. I'm I'm a I'm a ten year old trapped in a forty plus year old. My my mentality really never got out of eighth grade. I know, dude. This keeps coming up in my life, and uh, man, that's a hearty drink you got there. I can hear it all the way through the phones. It's a Good little, lord, little, little gin and tonic action. Sounds like a gallon jug right there with some uh, ice in it. But uh, no, I've been talking to people lately and I keep think coming back to this thing about like, yeah, I don't think like a 40 year old guy, you know, like I thought like I would think older when I got older, but I still have the same sort of thoughts and drives and goals and stuff as back like in my 20s and stuff like that. You know, it's like I, I feel like like mutual funds and like I have enough life insurance, you know, but no, man, I still want to, like, get on stage and rock out and have dreams of uh, stardom like that and, like, playing big concerts and, like, you know, I still, like, make stupid wishes about, I don't know, whatever, yeah, pro, wrestling, pro wrestling, like, oh, if I could pull an F5 on somebody in a bar fight, you know, like, dumb shit like that. So Yeah, like, me too. I thought I, I'd I grow out the, of it. <laughs> the exact same things. I'm like, 
but now when I go to think, oh, I'm a, you know, if I get in a fight, I, I really would like to do a figure four on this guy. There you go. But I better stretch first. That's the only difference. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I ease down to the ground, please? I'm going to plant a hand and uh, sort of scoot down there. I don't want to just drop to my back. A couple, couple toe touches first, maybe, you know? I don't want to pull a hammy. I will fully admit, the other day, I was feeling great, man. I mean, I've got the COVID-20 on me. I'll admit that, too. But uh, I went down to pick up the lid to the toilet seat, and my back was like, Aah! I'm like, oh, God. I caught it. I caught it. I, I didn't go full back spasm. I caught it. I was like, oh, no. Okay. I know this. Just remain calm. Just remain calm and breathe. And I'm like, okay. So when you know where all three bottles of Tylenol are at in your house, <laughs> you might be in your 40s. Uh, so she is not in her 40s yet, but there is a 40 in her age, uh, a four that is, 1925. Age 14, Ball starts dating Johnny DeVita, a 21 year old local hoodlum. Four, four, a 14-year-old and a 20... Nah, that's wrong, man. Yeah, Even her, back then. Her mother was super unhappy about it, and she hoped the romance would burn out. But oh. after a year, her mother tries to separate them by exploiting Balls' desire to be in show business. You just say stop. You just, as a parent, you're like, no, you're 14, he's 21. No, enough. Stop. <laughs> we, can't, we can't do that. Stop it. Although back Stop. in those days, he might have offered a good dowry. They might have got a couple goats and a cow. I mean, you never know. Why is it always a goat thing with the dowry? <laughs> I don't get it. I think it has something to do with the, the golden fleece, to be honest with you. I believe eh. that's a, the thing. Uh, but no fleecing going on here. 1926, age 15, um, her mom enrolls balls in the John Murray Anderson School for the Dramatic Arts in uh, New York City. I think she went into House Slytherin. Harumph, harumph. Betty Davis, she was in uh, Hufflepuff, and she was a fellow student, if you know Betty Davis. I feel like that'd be about the same time. Betty maybe Davis Betty Davis is a little, little younger? Uh, I think just a bit, maybe. Yeah. A quote from Balls about that time in her life, she said, quote, All I learned from drama school was how to be frightened. I can't do that one. Let's think of another one. All I, uh, no, I don't uh, Man, how does Balls sound? What do we got I think here? you got to get more of that mid, mid-Atlantic accent. All I learned at drama school was how to be frightened. Instructors felt that she would not be successful in the entertainment business and were uh, unafraid to tell her. They're like, you suck. I don't know why you're here. They Leave. were afraid They were afraid of her? It said unafraid to tell her. So Oh, oh they, were, they told her all the time. <laughs> right in her face. <laughs> so you suck. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> It didn't uh, it would, stick to it there, Balls. Trust me, it works out for you. 1927, age 16, her family is forced to relocate to a small apartment in Jamestown after their house and furnishings were sold to settle a financial legal judgment. Okay, things did not get better. Um, what happened? A neighborhood boy was accidentally shot and paralyzed by someone target shooting in their yard under the supervision of Balls' grandfather. And so apparently Grandpa wasn't keeping an eye on the kids. Somebody took the shot to the back and got paralyzed. And I their guarantee family there's had to sell al- everything. There's alcohol involved in that one. The kids are fine. Ah, here's a gun. Shoot. Shoot. Aim them that way. You guys are fine. I don't know. They're. I see them. <laughs> nah, he just took a little lead in the back. He'll be fine. Yeah, that's terrible. Uh, 1928, age 17, Balls is determined to prove her teachers wrong. She returns to New York City. She starts working for the Hattie Carnegie. Uh, well, Hattie Carnegie is a fashion designer, and she works as an in-house model. Uh, unfortunately, she becomes ill with rheumatic fever and is unable to work for two years. So, What is up with all these little old-timey 
diseases that we got going on. Jeez. Might have to do with vaccines. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying. I don't want to. I don't want to wade into that one, but <laughs> getting a little political here, Brian. Just, just hey, man. So uh, anyway, something that's not political. 1932, she moves back to New York City uh, after the rheumatic fever is settled. She resumes her pursuit of an acting career. She supports herself by working as a Carnegie with uh, Hattie Carnegie again as a fashion model, and she's a Chesterfield cigarette girl. Cigar, cigarettes. All my friends know Chesterfield is my brand. Is was she working like in movie theaters and and or uh, uh, you know theaters? I mean, is that in that where they did that? I think she's actually in the ads. If uh, I'm being honest, oh, she's okay. a she's a very pinup style at this time. Okay, I don't think of her as a sex symbol. I don't. No, you wouldn't. But if you see some of the pictures, she was. That's that. If you didn't ever hear her talk. <laughs> Uh, like a Fran Drescher, you're like, oh wow, she's really pretty. Oh God, that's what's talking. Okay, Brian. So, it, being the misogynist is really kind of my thing. So. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll let you do that. All right. Thanks, bud. I let appreciate me, that. Let me hand it off. No, Lucille Ball's pretty. I mean, she is. She's pretty. So she yeah, also happens yeah. to be really funny. Well, I think when she started getting into when we all think of I Love Lucy and all that crap, um, she was older, and she was also portrayed as a married woman. They didn't dress her oh, up. Spoilers, any, dude. We'll get there. Anything. So, I mean, I could I could see, you know, especially back in those days, all the curly Nights. hair and the yep. big lipstick and the eyelashes. Sure. Oh, uh, we should describe her for people who uh, don't. Uh, what do you, I mean, I don't know. Red hair. I guess that was her big defining feature. She's a redhead. She was so. curvy. She was. I mean, it wasn't like she was some little thin rail. <laughs> she was no. Sorry, Michelle. That's for you, Val. We'll get there. <laughs> No, she was um, big lips, big yeah, eyes. Yeah. yeah, look up Lucy big Ball. eyelashes. Tell, tell me what you think, guys. Kind, kind of that pinup girl look, I guess, especially back in her younger years. You uh, know, there that, you go. That's what I'm yeah. saying. So she takes that pinup girl work and she gets uh, chorus work on Broadway, but it doesn't last long. But she's hired again. But she's quickly fired again. Uh, you are on point with the soundboard tonight, Ryan. She's at the uh, theater impresario. Uh, there's this guy, Earl Carroll, uh, and he's got this vanity show, and he's the last one to fire her. But then again, she's hired by Florence Ziegfeld. So he's got a touring company, uh, the Rio Rita. And uh, so she started its tour as like a dancer, chorus girl, 1933, after an uncredited part as a Goldwyn girl in the movie Roman Scandal, Balls moves permanently to Hollywood to appear in films. So now she's making her run at the acting. Well, I mean, wow, she's been in and out of jobs in the in, in this industry for a while now. She's she had a lot of had a lot of stick to itiveness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she well, did. She did gonna, not give up. I mean, this we're going to keep short- with it. A short period of time. Let me tell you how much stick she has. She's got a bunch of small roles uh, in movies in the 1930s. She's got a, she got a job at RKO Radio Pictures as a contract player. So anytime they needed extra people in the movies, they call her up and they're like, hey, we need a redhead. And she's like, cool. Uh, she's in two real comedy shorts with three stooges. So if you look up three little pigskins, she's in that one. And she's in a movie with the Marx Brothers called Room Service. So she's working with, like, the top of the top of the comedy at that time. So I was just watching Star Trek um, Voyager 
Remember that? I mean, that was kind of like after the next generation. What, oh no, Jane, it was after Janeway. Jane. Yeah, Janeway. That one. In, you know uh, who? <laughs> so Chakotay I mean, there's seven. Chakotay. Yes, yes, I, yes. I'm Look at it. you go, man. Oh, dude, I'm a Neelix fan. So there was a uh, uh, a young Sarah Silverman in that. In, oh, in, really? Yeah, and I mean, she was. She's pretty. She pretty. Pretty freaking hot back then. I mean, she's not bad. Pretty hot now, no, yeah. I was yeah. Say. <laughs> but I mean, she was uh, very young, not edgy at all. But she was a. I think. I think she's actually maybe a good actress. Uh, might be. I've seen her in a yeah. couple films. I think as a, uh, like a just actress or act actor. Act actress. That's what female actors are, right? No, 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 no. We don't no? say actors are just actors. There's no gender there. Are you sure? Hundred percent. Like comedian is no longer a term. What? It, what? What is the term? They're just comedians. What do you say? Would you say comedian? No, you would say it's just a comedian. Look well, at that I lady. Would, she's a funny comedian. That 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 I agree with. But there's actors and actresses. No. No. Nope. They're just all actors now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now, some people who were also actors, uh, 1936, is Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Have you heard of them? I've heard. I, they dance a lot. They dance a that. lot. Yeah. Never into those. My Again, my old man will watch all that crap. He loves it. He thinks it's great. Oh, man. I want to walk into like a crystal ballroom sort of thing like Indiana Jones style with a band and a clamshell and the whole bit, man. That'd be sweet. Like where you're, where you're tap dancing and then you run up on a wall and do a flip. That would be cool, too. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. No? If I'm right. in the crowd watching that crap, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to go take a pee real quick and grab another beer at the bar. All right. Tell me when this, tell me when this bit's done. What was, that, uh, what was that movie that came out that was like that? Ryan, uh, pr- the pretty boy guy. Uh, oh, God. I'm dying. Reynolds? No. What do you Pretend. want? What do you want? Just tell me what you want. What oh. do you want? Yeah, the yeah, I never saw it. I've seen the that clip. guy, but with uh, La La Land, that's what it was. Yeah, so basically, if you guys, if you aren't familiar with uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, it's the people who sort of invented that La La Land style. And Balls was one of the featured models uh, in movies with those people in musicals like Roberta, nineteen thirty-five, and then she played a flower girl in Top Hat, also in nineteen thirty-five, and uh, she's a brief supporting role in Following uh, Follow the Fleet, nineteen thirty-six. Ooh, that sounds blue. All right. Uh, Ginger Rogers and Balls were uh, distant maternal cousins. So apparently their moms were cousins. Yeah, that's so small world. I guess now it was it's nepotism. A small world back there. <laughs> no, it was. It was a much smaller world back then. Um, nineteen thirty-six. She lands a role she hoped would lead her to Broadway in the Barlett Cormac play. Hey, diddle diddle. It's a comedy set in a duplex apartment in Hollywood, and, um, you know, it's one of those things like opening doors. Man, the neighbors are crazy, and then they shut the doors, and then the neighbor opens the door. Boy, my neighbors are weird. You know, like one of those. What, what year is, about what year is this right here where we're talking? 1936. In case, is this, this got to be before color TV, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. For sure. All right. This set in stage. So now she's in this play, right? Hey, diddle, diddle. And uh, it's going to be the next big thing for her. And it was not well received. The play closed after one week in D.C. No, 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 no. That's not why, though, guys. The star, Conway Tyrrell, um, he was in poor health and he died. So, jeez. Yeah. So she's out of work again. 
Now, uh, when Balls registered to vote in 1936, she made an interesting choice. She listed her party affiliation, her party affiliation as communist, along with her brother and her mother. Oh, so she was a commie. Well. 1937, a Hollywood writer said that she attended a Communist Party membership meeting at Ball's house. Now, the writer said Ball's was not there, but she had approved the meeting at her home. Ball's and Ginger Rogers team up again. Uh, They play aspiring actresses in the stage film, uh, or in the film, Stage Door, along with Catherine Hepburn. Wow, that's a big, that's a star-studded little lineup right there they got. Yes, I would say. Maybe they didn't know it back then, but... No, but yeah, like many budding actresses, Balls uh, picked up radio work to supplement her income, gain a little exposure, be seen and heard by the, well, be heard by the people, much as we're seen. Hi, waving. Uh, she appeared regularly on the Phil Baker show. Uh, when its run ended in 1936, Balls joined the cast of The Wonder Show starring Jack Haley. Phil Baker? Yes. Phil Never Baker. Well, and you didn't hear of The Wonder Show starring Jack Haley because The Wonder Show lasted one season. It was not well received. Speaking of one season. <laughs> okay, where, where are we going? What are Firef- we doing? Firefly. Oh, yay, all right. I'll give you Firefly. All right, I've never seen it, and I've heard oh. it's great. Oh, it's, it's a Western. You'd love it. It's right up my alley on so many fronts from what I've heard. Hundred percent, but but why but, not? but it's only <laughs> one season. <laughs> There's two movies. I mean, but is there any is there any closure? Yeah, with the movies, you have to watch the is movies there? for closure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Maybe. I did not know there were two movies, so I've always been very hesitant to you know in, in invest any of my any of my interest in this when I know it's just going to be like over because no. everybody, 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 everybody I've ever heard that's seen the shows tells you they should have kept freaking going. Oh, they should have. Absolutely. They should have. Should have. Huh. All right. And much like Firefly, some other things that they should have kept going. 1939 balls auditions for the role of Scarlett O'Hara in gone with the wind. Oh, did she get it? No, Vivian Lee got the part, oh. but she also won an Academy Award for the Best Actress for that part, so I guess she was supposed to have it. You know, I've never seen that movie. Nah, me neither. Yeah. Frankly, I, and I, and, and frankly like Firefly, ben, I don't want <laughs> Frankly, Ben, I don't give a damn. I know. Hey! <laughs> Nailed it. And I don't have any real want to see it. No, but nah. one movie, I bet you that you're going to want to see this one, 1940, Balls appears in the lead musical, Too Many Girls, when she meets and falls in love with Desi Arnaz. <laughs> he plays one of the characters for Bodyguards in the movie, much like why? the movie Bodyguard. Why, why would I want to see that? Because uh, it's called Too Many Girls. <laughs> no, Is no. Like okay. a, skin, uh, a skin flick or something? or. No, dude. It's a movie about a guy who falls in love with bodyguards. Oh, wow. Okay, so maybe. And I... <laughs> Is this a, the, 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 was was this the Omega oh. Man to the uh, to it the uh, 
what was it? Omega Man was the Bring it around, the, buddy. Come on. What, what was the Will Ferrell movie that he played the they fight zombies? Um Will Ferrell fought zombies? No, Will Will Smith, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, <laughs> Will Ferrell fights zombies. That's a legend I gotta see. Let me tell you. Um, good, good job, thanks, Brian. Yeah, no, you're you're welcome. Uh, in the '40s, Ball signs with Metro Goldwyn Mayer. I don't have a lion sound. I'm sorry, um, but she never achieves major stardom in the movies. No, she uh, didn't. No, not not at first. No, no, she was actually known in Hollywood circles as the Queen of the Bees. Uh, not that because uh, she had a bunch of beehives or nothing, but she starred in a number of bee movies, such as Five Came Back. 1943, Balls portrays uh, herself in the musical Best Foot Forward. 1946, she stars in a rom com. 47, she appears in a murder mystery lured as and these Sandra are all Carpenter. Mo- these are all bee movies? Yeah. You know, she... I just looked up John Wayne the other day on the IMDb, okay. and he had a. Most of his career was B movies, like early on in the, you know, like early on in his career. He didn't. That's get how to, you start, man. Sure, back then, and that's about the same time too, because there's a ton of John Wayne black and whites. Oh yeah, yeah, know? John Wayne, man. <laughs> he is uh, doing Ms. pretty well Parker. this time too. We'll get there. Oh no, no, no! Leave Sarah Jessica right. Parker alone. I'm not going into that. All right, all right. Uh, uh, like Sarah Jessica Parker, 1948, Balls is cast as Liz Cooper, a wacky wife, in the radio show My Favorite Husband. Is this now getting into the uh, I Love Lucy uh, sort yeah, of vein? Hold, uh, hold your horses there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for it. I'm also waiting for some crime, so can we get to that? We'll get there. We'll get, we always get there. We'll get there. Right. So, My Favorite Husband, who you you are my favorite husband, just so you know, Ben. It's a radio show by CBS Radio. The show's successful, finally. CBS asked Balls to develop it for television. They're like, I love hearing you talk about it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I, I love hearing you talk. I got to see you, girl. And so she agrees, but she insists on working with her real-life husband and Cuban band leader, Desi Arnaz. <laughs> March 8th. 1894, born, oh, I'm going to try my best, guys. Desiridirio Alberto Arnaz y da Aca Third in Santiago de Cuba, Cuba. Nailed it. Totally nailed it. I, gar- I guarantee you. Well, if I'll you get said a- that, if you said that in Cuba today, they would, they would, hand, they would hand you a, uh, uh, what was a shy, 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 the, who is one of the guys that helped make Cuba, Cuba? Oh, I'm not doing this. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know if we're heard in Cuba. Uh, reach out if you guys listen to us in Cuba. For real, I don't. I don't know. But do you uh, think a lot of '57 Chevys got you know the? Uh, uh, I want to go so bad and just look at those cars. I really love that. It'd be great. Uh, and people who can. people who can. had some of those cars. Well, actually, you know what? They didn't have those cars because this is 1894, and uh, Desirido Alberto Arnez E. D. Albini the second, his dad, and Dolores de Acá, his mom de Acha, Cha I'm just gonna go with de Acha. Uh, his father was Santiago's youngest mayor, the city of Santiago. He oh, also, really? Yeah, he also served in the Cuban House of Representatives. Um, his maternal grandmother was Alberto de Acá, an executive at a rum producer at Bacardi and Company. Oh, wow. The family owned three ranches. They had a huge palatial home. They had a vacation mansion on a private island in Santiago Bay, Cuba. 
And so following the Cuban Revolution in 1933, led by Fulgencio Batista. Oh, by Batista. He's not a good guy. Yeah, uh, he overthrew the president, Gerardo Machado. Alberto Arnaz was jailed. All of his property was confiscated. Um, he was released after six months when his brother-in-law, Alberto de Aca, intervened on his behalf. The family fled to Miami. Um, that's where uh, Arnaz uh, attended St. Patrick Catholic High School in Miami Beach. The summer of 1934, he attended St. Leo Prep near Tampa. That really works on his English, so he's, he's, he's speaking the language here in America. His first job's working at Woolworths in Miami. Always got to like a good Woolworths. It's kind of a fall, fall, fall to grace there, isn't it? Afraid so. Yeah. Afraid so. When there's a revolution and you're not on the side that wins, yeah, you I lose mean, out big, man. Uh, yeah, he had to come in and like be a person. Afraid so, right? Yeah. We yeah. talk about this. Mow your lawn. I mean, you, you know, better mow your own lawn, dude. Mow your own lawn, buddy. Um, he goes into business with his father before turning to show business full time. So uh, he's got the business sense worked in there. After finishing high school. Arnie forms a band. Arnie. Yeah. I'm going to go with Arnie. Arnez. Okay. All right. So Arnie. Arnie. Arnie, Arnie and uh, Balls. Arnie, Arnie and Balls. balls. Arnie Balls. And uh, he forms a band. It's called the Sibonet Septet. Quick, how many people are in the Septet? Seven. Is that right? I'll trust you. Right. <laughs> you had the answer. I was just throwing a <laughs> random number uh, out there. I know I got one in ten. Yes, Sept, Oct, Octet, Sept. I think you're right. Hey, nice job. All right, good job. Uh, they begin making a name for themselves around Miami. Xavier Cugat, after seeing Arnez performs, hires him, and uh, he starts his touring orchestra. They hire Arnie to play the conga drum and sing. So he becomes a star attraction, and he's encouraged to start his own band, the Desi Arnez Orchestra. So, okay, that that was that was a big thing then. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, we're going to get there. Here's the biggest contribution right here. Arnie and his orchestra become a hit in New York City on the club scene. They're playing all the hip clubs downtown. He introduces the concept of conga line dancing to the city. He brings conga line dancing to America. Are you kidding me? What year? I am not. Uh, This is somewhere in the 1938, 39. So when I think of... uh... There was an old Warner Brothers cartoon where it was a little weird. It was like Fantasia. Okay. It wasn't Fantasia. I like though. those and they ones. Had those like are so weird. A bunch of conga dancing in it. So it was probably inspired because it was about that time. Maybe a little bit later, but it's about that time. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Well, so because- he is responsible for bringing conga dancing to the, to the, to the, home, to the United States here. Oh, dude. Yeah, he is the reason we have conga line dancing. All right, with that stardom, he comes to the attention of Rodgers and Hart, who in 1939 cast him in their Broadway musical, Too Many Girls. Sound familiar? The thing's still going? No, I'm. it's parallel timelines. I told you about uh, balls going from her childhood up to this point, and oh, now okay. we take Arnie up from childhood to this point. The show was a hit. RKO Pictures brought the movie rights. Arnie goes to Hollywood the next year to appear in the show's movie version. So it's like they did the touring stage show, and then they're like, "Hey, you got to go to the movie version," which also stars uh, Lucille Balls. We call her Balls, and uh, Arnie and Balls fell in love during the film's production, and they elope on November 30th, 1940, and right there, we're going to take a break, 
Um, that was quick. They they got they got they got they got, they got all uh, married up real fast after me, huh? Hey man, when you know, you know, you know. I guess. So yeah, I was probably hung on a horn. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to tell you which member of 21 Days is hung like a horse, but we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to continue the story of Arnie and Balls. But right now, my high school band, 21 Days. So how many of those dudes do you still keep in contact with, Brian? Well, I talk with Paul, our rhythm guitar player and uh, singer. He and I have a good text chain going. When we get bored at work, we'll text each other. Or if something musical comes up, we'll, you know, hit each other up. And uh, let's see. The other guy, the lead guitarist, Joe, he and I are uh, MMA fans together. So anytime there's a UFC, he and I will text, like, as fights go on, round by round. Like, oh, did you see that? No, should have done this and that. So, you know, half of the band. The other half, not so much. I got invited to a Halloween party by our bass player, Bobby. Uh, We weren't able to go, but uh, we're in the 1940s, right? And so technically it was November 30th, 1940. They got, they eloped and they got married. But unfortunately... Uh, Arnie gets his draft notice. Um, see, so that's that's not good. No war. But war were declared. We are right. War is declared. But before reporting, he injures his knee. So uh, I, I he bet completes he, I his. Bet, I bet he does. I bet he does. <laughs> I got a I got a bullet wound in my foot. I don't know how it happened. A lot of I was, I was sleeping. A lot of knee injuries that month. Uh, uh, he completed his recruit training but uh he's classified for limited service united states army during world war ii he was assigned to the uh, directly to the united states organization oh the uso so he's assigned to the uso he's playing program. the bongos he's playing the yeah, bongos man. for the war no, right. that's what he does so he's in the uso program at birmingham general army hospital in san fernando valley um right there he discovers an interesting thing about uh, when wounded soldiers come back, their first request, what do you think the first request of a wounded soldier is? Cheeseburger. They request a cold glass of milk, and uh, he arranges them to get cold glasses of milk from local starlets and, uh, like, pot pinup girls. Wrong. They pour the milk for him. Wrong. That's what it says right here on the card. It's cheeseburger. I've seen Iron <laughs> Man. That's what Tony Stark wanted after oh, he got blowed true. up. An American you're right. cheeseburger. You're right, right. Well, much like blowing things up, September 1944, Balls and Arnie's marriage is a little turbulent, tur- turbulent, turbulent, turbulent. So, uh, convinced, really? yeah, convinced that Arnie, Arnie's being unfaithful to her, and also because he came home drunk several times, um, Balls files for divorce. Eh, let's not talk about this a lot. <laughs> well, but. I mean, uh, who hasn't, who hasn't had a couple daddy pops and came home a little after you know whatever i see but before the uh interlocutory decree became final so basically what a what uh, what? what, say that word again please interlocutory 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 is that a cuban word (laughs) no no it's written in english actually on the card (laughs) is i don't 
Interlocutorious. Interlocutorious. All right. No, so basically it means that she filed for divorce, but she goes back to him and like she's like, nah, I don't really want to file for divorce. So okay. uh, we got a quote from Arnie about it though, and she's he he says, quote, What's she upset about? I don't take out other broads, I just take out hookers. Are you serious? <laughs> that's, End quote. That's what he said. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> it's not I don't pay him to. I don't pay him to come into my room. <laughs> oh wow! Terrible. Uh, okay, November nineteen forty-five. Uh, speaking of leaving, um, after he's Hold discharged. Hold on, I'm from- not past this yet. <laughs> <laughs> so the, I need to laugh a couple more times. Hold the on, dude. The dude literally said, basically, he said, "I'm not. I'm not cheating on her. I'm just going out with hookers." Yeah, that's what he said. It's like it's not like it's romantic. They're right, just hookers. Well, I think the Cuban people are a very dynamic set of folks. I guess I passionate. Know. They're very passionate. Yeah, yeah, very passionate. Speaking of passion, nineteen forty-five November, he's discharged from the army. He forms another orchestra, which is successful and has a lot of live appearances and recordings. Okay. February 1946, Arnie appears on the show sponsored by the Hollywood Independent Citizens Committee of the Arts, Sciences, and Professions. That's a mouthful. Well, it's a group the FBI says is a communist front. Well, it 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 very well it probably is. Well, now hold on there, bud. So uh, we'll 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 get there. I mean, maybe. there was there was a lot of. I mean, we're using the word commie, okay? And 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 today, that's <laughs> we a we there's a very huge negative context to that. You know, it's it's a word that we use that we don't maybe understand. But back then, it was almost like saying a liberal or a conservative or a communist oh, yeah, or a yeah. socialist. Okay. You know, it was, that's good context, right? It, yep. it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily. We knew we were fighting that ideal of the idealism of a communist, right. but it was an idea that a lot of people back then in our country. Um, wanted to maybe give a chance to. So it wasn't like if you're a communist and you believed in what they believed in back then, it wasn't something necessarily you would hide that. It's not like being a Nazi. No. <laughs> now, now, that was bad. That was always don't, bad. That's bad. Don't do yeah, that. Don't do right. that. You're not supposed We're to do We're fighting that. a war against these people. We just beat them. Don't Don't be a Nazi. Right. And so, so I think that's kind of what they got wrapped up in was like, wait a minute. But then the communists Communists are kind of like not good. Well, in the 40s, like in, a, in as the perception of an American in the 40s, they'd be like, wait a minute. On paper, communism and socialism were great. They were awesome. I mean, until, you know, you know, people start being uh, bad. There, there were a lot of a lot of communist feelings in the nation at that time in the 40s and in the 50s. And then our government was trying to weed them out because communism and capitalism, they're very, it's like oil and water. They don't mix. And we, we well, pinned our flag on capitalism. So, continue. Communist, Desi Arnaz. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. Well, one way to not look like a communist, 1946 and 47, during this time, Arnie's a band leader conducting the Desi Arnaz Orchestra on Bob Hope's radio show, The Pepsodent Show on NBC. Bob Hope's no communist. No, he was a big time guy that he would always go entertain the troops, right? I don't think Arnie was a communist either. He was in the USO and the US Army, so probably not a well, commie. 
I think he could still support the troops and have an ideal of a communist that could back then at least mesh. Now, you okay. know that communists took over the government. His dad was like mayor and on the council and all that up, right? Like those I guess you're right. Yeah. Took him over, so yeah. he's probably not a communist if I had to guess. <laughs> they did take his, Just saying. They did take his private island away. <laughs> Burned down his, yeah, all his stuff. So. Yeah. His his grandmother's no longer making a making rum by the boatload. <laughs> yeah, no. Oddly enough, Bacardi seemed to survive. I don't. That's weird. It's the booze industry. It's it's it can it'll flourish under communists. It'll flourish under the capitalists. Everybody likes booze. That's true. I do yeah. love some booze. Nineteen forty-seven. Uh, when you're drinking booze, you want to hear some music. Arnie's out with his orchestra. They're playing shows in Madison, Wisconsin. So uh, the point of that note and factoid was that he's moving around the country man he's not just playing the big cities like new york chicago miami places like that he's in wisconsin playing his drum conga dancing and people love it well i maybe madison was huge back then not that big today yes it was the hub it was a hub for the train lines and the pork that's everybody knows for the pork Probably cheese, Madison, Wisconsin. I bet he liked pork. A lot of good a lot of, hookers there. <laughs> a lot of cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> so 1951, uh, Arnie's given a game show on CBS radio. So he's doing a lot of voice work. It's called Your Tropical Trip. Uh, and what they do is uh, they're trying to get Arnie and Balls to stay at CBS because now they're getting offers from other networks like NBC and stuff like that. So they're like, hey, you want a game show, too? We'll give you a game show. You got your radio shows. Um, they're trying to keep his band employed in Hollywood rather than touring around. So uh, NBC is trying to give him offers. Like, So basically what's going on here is uh, Balls and Arnie, they're hot, man. They're hot. Well, was was Ball still doing stuff all this time, too? Because we've been talking a lot about Desi. Oh, dude, it's 1951, so give me a second here. The musical game show hosted by Arnie. uh, It's got audience members competing for Caribbean vacations because it's called Your Tropical Vacation. So that's a good prize. Is it Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean queen. I think it's Caribbean. Is it? Is it? Yeah. I don't don't have a Caribbean song. Well, Caribbean do you do you, do you take a Caribbean cruise or a Caribbean cruise? Take a I don't take cruises. I don't believe in that. Yeah, hey, they're starting up the they're starting up some cruise lines here soon again. That's a bad idea. It's it's not time tell, for that yet, man. I'll tell you one good thing about COVID is uh, my wife was going to try and drag me on a New Kids on the Block cruise, and I'm like, no, I don't I don't want to do that. I think that's out the window now, so I feel pretty good. Brian, Feeling that good. sounds just stupid enough to work. <laughs> Feel, feeling the flow. Yeah. You should go. Just a global pandemic. Oh, you want me to go? No, I, I'm I trying think, to get out of it. No, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun. That may be the only cruise I could ever get talked into. Oh yeah, NKOTB. Yeah. yeah. Want to go hang jo- with the blockheads? Joey Fatone or what's his name? <laughs> oh, yeah, guy. No, Joey Fatone is not a new kid, man. Danny, well, Donnie, Joe, John, and Jordan. All right. Uh, Wal- Wahlbergs. We, Think of the Wahlbergs. We can't be friends anymore. I gotta go now. Uh, <laughs> you knew all that stuff way too quick. <laughs> As listeners of the show will know, I went to a concert at Little Caesars Arena, and it was amazing. I fell in love with Debbie Gibson again. Was, so, was, yeah. t- was Tiffany there too? Tiffany was there. I did not fall in love with her again. We just went back to 1987. Top songs from 1987. My kid <laughs> wanted to know. Dad, when you were my age, like who were the big singers? So I Googled it, and we started looking. 
Tiffany was on the list. Oh, yeah. No, I like Tiffany. Yeah, she yeah. did well, but she didn't age as well as Debbie Gibson. Debbie Gibson, man, she worked the whole front stage, and then she came out on some circular stage in the back, rocked it up and down for the encore. She was with uh, uh, Joey McIntyre. Just Oh, dude, she that was amazing. Debbie you know, Gibson, whoo. You know one of the biggest songs in 1987? That uh, was when I was Van, 11 Van Halen old. song. Okay. Never going to give you up, never going to let you down, down. never, never going to run. run around and desert you. My never kid my kid knew that song. Never going to say <laughs> goodbye. He knew, he knew that song. Hell alive. He's got Rickroll, Dad. He's got Rickroll. Never going to give, never going to give, never going to give, never going to give, give you up. Yeah, if you try to, a uh, funny out here, insider joke, guys, if you try to sign on to the Wi-Fi at the podcast studio here, you're going to get Rickrolled. <laughs> Got a little QR code, says, scan for Wi-Fi. Never going to give, never going to give. Give you up. All right. I'm, now, so, I, I'm sorry to all of our listening audience. Yeah, Brian started on that. At least it wasn't I love a, a new Rick kid. Roll, dude. At least it wasn't an NKYTV. Oh, yeah. New, no, new that's, kids that's on the, true. New N- NK, I don't know, whatever. All right. I, I see. Uh, uh, well, here's something that you will like because everybody liked it. October 15th, 1951, the premiere of I Love Lucy. <laughs> the show starred Lucille Ball. We've been calling her Balls. <laughs> and her real life husband, Desi Arnaz or Arnie. <laughs> Also, Vivian Vance and William Farley. Farley, 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 The Mertz. The Mertzes. 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 Vivian and Bill. Yeah. It followed the life of Lucy Ricardo, balls, a young middle-class housewife in New York City. She either, like, concocted plans with her best friend Ethel and then Fred Mertz, the neighbors, and they appeared alongside the band leader husband, Arnez. And he had his nightclub. He tried, and she's always trying schemes to to mingle in with or be part of show business. Like Balls is trying to get in there and like, oh, you've got uh, Fred Astaire. I want to be on the show. So uh, what was the Ricky name Ru- of the what was the name of the nightclub? Do you remember? It's the everybody's the, screaming. The tro- at. It's the it's the Tropicana or the Copacabana. I, think, I feel like it was. It's one of those. All right. I, 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 I think it was the Cop. I think it was the Copa because we had one in Flint. I actually went to the Copa. Two times. I think that yes, was I know. called the Copa. Well, yeah, but it was the Copa Cabana. At the Copa, Copa Cabana, the hottest club song north of Havana. Yeah, that was the Copa. Yeah, I remember the name of the the name of his club was Music was always in that show. Is always in fashion at the Copa. That's uh, what's his name? Not Wayne Newton, the other guy. Oh God. Anyway, Elvis. Love it. No, 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 no. Um, lounge singer, Vegas act. Ricky Martin. People are screaming at their headphones. I wish you'd tell me. Anyway, uh, Lucy. You, said, you already said Wayne Newton? I did, it's Barry Manilow. The Copa. No, you don't know that one? The Copa Cabana by I Barry know, Manilow? I know it. It's I know awesome. It's, it's a good Manilow. song. Talk about a waitress and then... Guy comes trying, her boyfriend's a mean guy. Anyway, it doesn't what matter. What was a girl from Ipanema? I like that song. 
Young and bent and did something that the girl from Ipanema can walk in. You sing that Girls song so well, Brian. I think we actually might get pinged <laughs> for robbing somebody's, like, you know. Uh, oh, I'll get a copyright notice on YouTube. Copy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He where, sang ben, that where song. Where is Ipanema? <laughs> it's Brazil, my man. It's Brazil. Brasilia. I, honestly, I would have went with Japan, but. Brigado. <laughs> All right. They, they all right, that's nice, for all my Brazilians. Nice wax down there. All right, go ahead. And we're talking about I Love Lucy with Lucille Ball and Ricky Ricardo. Uh, the whole idea of the show is that their husband and wife, Ricky, is a band leader in New York City, and his wife, uh, she's a stay-at-home, rich city New York girl who's kind of sassy. She's got the red hair. She always gets herself in trouble. She's tried to get into the showbiz part. Uh, Ricky's a straight man. Um, he's very similar to... Arnie in real life. He's a Cuban American band leader whose trademark song is Babalu. That's why I keep playing that. Um, Lucy is a red haired, uh, she's white Irish lady. I mean, she doesn't have an accent or anything, but she lives uh, in New York City. She's always getting into trouble. She's usually caught by Ricky. That's the whole premise of the show. I Love Lucy becomes the most watched show in the United States for four of its six seasons. It's the first to end its run on the top of the Nielsen ratings. The Nielsen ratings are like a thing, actually a little box that would tell people, hey, this is what I'm watching. And so the show, which was uh, first the first scripted television program to be shot on 35mm film in front of a studio audience, won five Emmys, received numerous nominations and honors. It's the first show to feature an ensemble cast, so it's like, it's not just one star, it's not like the Dick Van Dyke show, it's like, no, it's got all these people on it. It's often regarded as one of the greatest, most influential sitcoms in history. It was only out That's, for six, it was only out for six seasons? Yeah, isn't that the crazy part? Is only how many? Ep- I wonder how many episodes per season they had. Because you, you, you sometimes will see a, a show that you know each season has twelve episodes or something. You know, like whatever. Right. And then other other shows will have thirty episodes. Oh yeah, yeah. No, right. Like you get like a Letterkenny with ten episodes, and then right. You get something else that's got twelve. Oh God, my wife is watching Rain. There must be twenty two episodes a season. Yeah, it probably feels like it. But, oh, dude, it, it lasts the entire <laughs> reign of the French monarchy, let me tell you. No, but that was a huge show. It continued to get played on TV stations and TV sets across the country. For, you can watch it now. For decades. Yeah. For decades. And I'll tell you what, in researching the show, it holds up. Oh, I am not even kidding. It holds up. Their topics are so, like general and universal like just uh, i don't even know uh, the the miscommunications being between husbands and wives or men and women or just miscommunications between relationships and friends and you're just like oh my god and it's not one of those shows where like you know a cell phone would just fix this or a text message no it holds up regardless of that you're it, like oh i could see this happening today well and that's the way i i was familiar with you know lucille ball and ricky ricardo Mostly, I love Lucy. Lucy, you just thought she was a main character, and she was. But all four of those characters had huge roles in that show. And the it, ensemble. Yeah, the, and, and it did. I, I, I mean, I was born in the 70s, and I'd watch Ooh. TV in the 80s, and it was on a lot. And people watched it. I mean, like I said, my old man still watches it today. Sorry, Michelle. Uh, yeah, no, I remember it being on sort of 
Stooges, Abbott Costello, I Love Lucy before wrestling on Saturdays or Sundays, you know? It was on it was on at like noon on the weekdays. It was on I remember my mom would be making lunch and we'd be throwing down a grilled cheese sandwich and some tuna salad or some crap and it was on. It was just on the console TV <laughs> lay on the carpet. You know the TV that when you just took there. it off the carpet, the carpet had a permanent indentation on it. Yeah, and it was started black and for a while. it was was it all in black and white or did it move over to color? Because that was right at that time. I um, it was colorized, but originally I believe it was in black and white. I think yeah, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure it was black and white when it started, anyways. Oh, I'll tell you. We'll get there. All right, we'll get there. Now, speaking about black and white, that reminds me of newspapers, uh, black and white. And so 1951, the Daily Worker, communist newspaper, that alleges that uh, where'd a little boy like you learn such a bad word? Uh, The uh, Daily Worker alleges that Ballsier is among the stars who had once been vocal about their opposition to Senator, Senator Joe McCarthy. But later, they, like, didn't say anything. They're like, okay. Uh, I'm against Joe McCarthy, but I'm not going to tell you publicly. Anyway, but what I'm saying is the Daily Worker is sort of like Outner. Like, she's against McCarthy. And if you guys know about history and McCarthyism, that's going to bite her in the ass, which it does on September 4th, 1953. Balls is hauled before Congress at the height of Senator McCarthy's communism witch hunt. Remember, like, and he's like, people are getting blacklisted in Hollywood. And like, hey, well, it's a commie. That's a commie. That's the Red Scare. Just go into you know, the, the McCarthy uh, uh, character here. Brian, just I mean, he's the he's the Hitting senator, man. Yep. Yeah, he's the senator that's going out after all the communists. He's a super conservative, capitalistic. I mean, he was a hero of the day, but maybe took a little far. Who knows? But he was just looking for people to hang left and right. Oh, dude! And you know what? They call her balls for a reason. So she voluntarily meets with the House Un-American Activities Committee investigator, a guy named William Wheeler. They meet in Hollywood. Um, she gives a sealed testimony so nobody sees it. And apparently she states in that testimony, which was sealed that no one will ever see, that she had registered to vote as a communist or intended to vote uh, the Communist Party ticket in 1936, like we mentioned earlier, at her socialist grandfather's insistence. So she had that peer pressure from her grandpa being like, come on, just vote communist for me this one time before I die. And she's like, fine, grandpa, I will. Okay, fine. Come on, she stated, She stated that at, quote, at no time intended to vote as a communist, end quote, though. Her testimony is... Her testimony is forwarded to J. Edgar Hoover in the FBI memorandum, and it says, quote, Lucille Ball stated that she has never been a member of the Communist Party, quote, to her knowledge, and she did not know whether or not meetings were ever held at her home at 1344 North Ogden Drive, Ogdenville. Uh, Ogden stated that if she had been appointed as a delegate to the State Central Committee of the Communist Party of California in 1936, it was done without her knowledge or consent or consent and she stated that she did not recall signing the document sponsoring emil freed for the communist party nomination to the office of member of assembly for the 57th district a review of the subject's file reflects no activity that would warrant her inclusion on the security index end quote no need to watch balls she's fine her grandpa was crazy so so is that your uh 
let me just ask you a simple question with a lot of words <laughs> leading sure. up to it. So My after favorite. you've after you've done all the research that you've done on a right. on an on a subject that you've heard about and not probably knew a lot about before you started your research, what do you I think? Mean, yeah. Was she a commie? No, I don't think she's a commie okay. at all. All right, that's, no. a, that's what I'm going to believe then. This lady was, uh, well, we'll get there. We're almost, we got a couple more cards here and we'll wrap it up here, but uh, that's not true. There's a bunch more cards. Uh, but no, I will tell you that she was not a commie. Okay. So, well, uh, we'll just she was leave it getting drug in, drug in front of the, uh, in, in front of the Congress. The House with- Un-American Committee. <laughs> you are un-American. That's why you're here. Defend okay. yourself. We need a committee. What can we call it? It'll sound cool. The Un-American Committee. Okay, let's do that. Don't want to be brought before that. That's for sure. All right. Immediately okay. before filming episode 68 of I Love Lucy, quote, the girls go into business. Arnie. Is that where they had the chocolates that came off the line too fast? And they, or the cupcakes or some crap? I bet it is. No, believe it or not, I actually, I actually watched this one. This is where they buy a dress shop in their neighborhood because the lady selling the dress shop sort of pulls a switcheroo. Like uh, Lucy and Ethel are in the dress shop shopping around like, oh, I love all these pretty dresses. And then these women come in and they're like, oh, this place is amazing. And these two other women buy like half the dress shop. Right. And uh, it was a scam. The the old lady working the dress shop is like, oh, it's just too bad. I have to move to take care of my sister in Phoenix. So I have to sell the dress shop and they negotiate for a price and all that. Yeah. It turns out those ladies who bought all the dresses while Lucy and they were were in there were friends of the dress shop. They were in on a scam. Yep. And so now the whole point of the episode is that Lucy and Ethel run a dress shop for a day. They're like, we're not making any money on this at all. We got to sell it before our husbands find out we bought a dress shop. And they had to worry about their husbands the whole time. Oh, their husbands came into the dress shop. They're like, oh, and then people like the new owners are so nice. And like, yeah. So anyway, before they filmed that episode of I Love Lucy, Arnie, instead of his usual audience warm up, um, because this is the thing where uh, balls there just got hauled in front of Congress. Yeah. Uh, he told the audience about um, her grandfather. Right. He's like trying to clue him in. And so he has a quote from from Arnie about the whole thing he says, quote, the only thing read about Lucy is her hair. Uh, and even that's not legitimate. Oh, really? Oh, that was the wrong sound. Even that's not legitimate. Uh, Up upstairs uh, or down? Bad joke. Uh, oh, oh, I, I took, I took <laughs> one the bad joke with another. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the House Un-American Activities Committee forgave balls, but J. Edgar Hoover never forgot. The FBI director continued to collect evidence about Balls and Arnie, even though the FBI claims it never officially investigated her. The Federal Bureau of Investigations does have a secret file on Balls and her husband, Desi Arnaz. The file contains memos stamped confidential and addressed directly to Hoover himself. Many of the memos begin with, pursuant to your request, Mr. Hoover. Oh, so, he, he, had, he had a line on everybody. Yeah, he was trying to keep personal tabs on people, it sounds like. Everybody. So, But you can request those records in a FOIA request if you want. Large portions are blacked out because the FBI still today considers them not ready for public release. There's a few different records that I've I've uh, looked into different you know, historical figures, and they say that these records will be released. They have dates that will be released 
Like, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to be released on uh, Martin Luther King, I think, in, like, 2036 or something. I mean, and that date was set back, you know, when he got assassinated and stuff. They were... They said, okay, we're going to give it 50 years or whatever. Jeez. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's that stuff that will still drop down the road. I wonder if that they got a date on her stuff. Well, we'll see. Uh, speaking of dates with uh, things dropping, March 3rd, 1960, day after uh, Arnie's 43rd birthday, and one day after filming the final episode of the Lucy Desi Comedy Hour, Balls files papers in Santa Monica Superior Court claiming married life with Desi is, uh, quote, a nightmare and uh, nothing at all is that appears on I Love Lucy. So she filed? She files again. That's some balls um, on balls right there. Well, he's known to explode in abusive fits of anger and one time balls aimed a gun at Arnie's head and uh, she pulled the trigger only to have a tiny flame burst out from the end of the barrel, which was actually Arnie's... Uh, that's how he lit his cigars. So she thought he was gonna, she's gonna shoot him in the head, and he was actually just a cigar lighter. That's for real. That's for real. Wow, wow. <laughs> so I don't uh, think I can sleep with the in the same room with that lady anymore after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a wait. You thought that was a real gun? <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. You, you pulled saying, the trigger. I, as what much you, as much as I can appreciate that, I couldn't sleep in the same room with her <laughs> in the same that's, house. That, that's a rough one, man. Well, uh, we got a quote from Arnie about the whole situation. He says, quote, the more our love deteriorated, the more we fought, the more unhappy we were, the more I drank. The the one thing I've never been able to do is work and play concurrently and in moderation, whatever that means. We all figured out a little bit. (laughs) So May 4th, 1960, the couple is officially divorced. Um, But a couple years go by, July 22nd, 1964. A $36,750,000 lawsuit is pending against entertainer Arnie by two former employees from the Thunderbird Country Club near Palm Springs. So, the Thunderbird. You ever been to one of those? No, I haven't. What is up with a Thunderbird Club? Okay, so I may not. Honesty time here. I may not be right on this. (laughs) The worshiping owl gods? There was... Throughout the country, at least in the east eastern side of the Mississippi, there were these uh, hotels called Thunderbirds, like a Holiday Inn or a Howard Johnson or you know a, a, a what what have you. And they were more like a little, they would have a little resort feel to them. They're kind of like there a motor lodge where you know you pulled right up to the front of your the the, the room you're staying in. It wasn't like yeah. you went in a hallway with elevators Bro. and stuff. And there was maybe a nice little resorty area with a pool, maybe a mini putt putt golf course in the back, and a and a lounge that had a lot of red carpet and velvet. A lot of velvet involved, I think, was a lot of velvet. And uh, and there were the velour. I would wear velour. (laughs) I drape myself in velour. And so they had a ton of these hotels, or a bunch of these hotels that were you know sprinkled throughout Route sixty six. I don't know. But I, I, I'm wondering if what was this thing that he was on? He was had a lawsuit against him or something? Yeah, yeah. Here's what happens. In one of the largest damage suits on record in Riverside County, Jack and Alberta Young. Uh, well, okay. Their name is, 
I don't know if it happened on a Tuesday or not, but their name is Jack and Alberta Young Tuesday. Accuse Arnie of slander, assault and battery, false imprisonment, all during an altercation at the club last January. Um, and so the action filed by the firm Jones and Waldron of Compton and Melvin Belly of San Francisco. So this all happened Arnie... in, in California, sounds like. So yeah, this is all this is all California. All right. All right. So uh, they charge Arnie with slandering Miss Young in the presence of witnesses, imprisoned Miss Young in the club for 15 minutes, and assaulted her husband. They, and that's a lawsuit for how much? Uh, $37 million. In what, 36, in what year? 75, 64. Wow. That's some, some balls. Some balls. That's the drink. That's the word of the, that's the game right there, everybody. Um, so yeah, we'll get back to that, but continuing forward, August 31st, 1966, Arnie, he's 49 at this time. He's arrested. So, uh, he, he allegedly fires two shots at the feet of a young man who parked his car in front of his house, uh, near Del Mar. Yeah. So he's booked in San Diego County jail on the charge of assault with a deadly weapon. He's released on a hundred... Uh, nope, he's released on $1,106 bail. Get that six bucks. Sheriff's deputies said that Arnie fired shots at the feet of John Winston Vody. The only shots um, the only shots I want right now are Moderna. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> this guy Vody um, and his companion emerged from a car near Arnie's home. And so, like, they're just, like, looking around, like, ooh, Hollywood tour. Like, I think famous people live around here. And then the next thing you know... He comes out shooting, dude. He approaches him, brandishing a thirty-eight pistol. Ask what you're doing. Hey, what are you doing here? And he threatens to shoot the car and its tires, but then he fires twice into the ground. Nobody's injured, um, but gets well, arrested. It was a thirty-eight. Of course nobody's injured. <laughs> Come What's on. with the thirty-eight pistols, man? Why why do people do that? What's that? That was a that was a small I mean, that was a small, very concealable little tiny little tiny midnight revolver. Special. Is that a midnight special? I I think the 38 special was the midnight special. It was a bigger, it was a, is a slightly bigger ca- a cartridge at the midnight special. But a, thir- a, a 38, a, a 38 was a small. That was a uh, it 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 go in and poke around a little bit. It's I feel like that slow you down. It slow you down. It, it might not catch blow. a 38 in the foot. <laughs> it might not blow ah! blow a hole out your backside, but. Catch one of the toe. All right. I'd just get a bigger gun. (laughs) Well, not a big deal. Throughout the 60s and 70s, Arnie remains active in show business. 1967, he launches the NBC series The Mothers-in-Law, starring Eve Arden and Kay Ballard. 1976, Arnie publishes his autobiography. Uh, He writes a book. February 21st, 1976, Arnie is a guest host on Saturday Night Live with his son, Desi Jr., um, we're going to jump here. 1986. At, uh, like we talked, didn't we talk about Rick roll in 86? When, when was that? Uh, 87. R- R- close. Yeah. Rick. Astley. There you go. Yeah. After years of smoking four or five Cuban cigars a day. Think of that. <laughs> oh my God. Arnie- how yeah, bad there you do, go. How bad does your mouth taste in the morning? <laughs> I'm on four or five Cuban c- cigars worth. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Arnie's diagnosed with lung cancer. No need to laugh at that. Um, that's not cool. But yeah, man, four or five Cuban cigars a day, like smoking, like 
telephone poles. Well, like, and, and this was in the late... 86. 86. So he was like 80, 86 years old, 80, 80 years old. Yeah, what was he, 1894? <laughs> so do your math. Oh, wow. Oh, oh yeah. 1894. I mean, oh, my God. Dude, you tell me I can live to that age and Woo. smoke about five Cuban cigars a day? Uh, <laughs> yes, please. Imagine living a hundred years. I mean, that's incredible. I want more. I think a thousand years should be the default setting for humans, but I mean, whatever. Dude. Uh, anyway. I'm good with like 60. I'll be pretty lucky. At 60. <laughs> I'm going to be sad when you're gone. <laughs> We're going to keep going though. I mean, Jason will just slide right into your spot. Hey, I anyway. think you can just uh, get an AI to make my voice. You just pull, plug. In fact, if you can get that for next podcast, deep fake. <laughs> get a good deep, deep fake, Ben, a good deep fake for next podcast would be great. <laughs> scary enough dude there's enough audio of us they could deep fake either of us this is deep fake right now i'm just telling, i'm not really brian this is a deep fake yeah this is just ai deep fake deep fake um well it's not a deep fake and it was actually a pretty cool move ball stays with uh arnie for several hours before he lapsed into a coma um oh they were still buddies they're still very good friends even though they were divorced that's correct i guess he got his wish he did. He could That's still true. be friends and with balls and you friends know, with benefits. Hang out with all those hookers. And it was so fun. What? 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 There's hookers. God. I mean, eh, not to disperse him, dis, besmirch a man's name. December 2nd, 1986. He dies in the arms of his daughter, Lucy. And a quote from his daughter, quote, he was a good daddy, but a lonely man at times. One who shows a difficult path. I feel pain when you hear his voice sometimes. There's there's some there's some emotion in that. He had a nice timbre. Is it timbre or timber? Yes. He's <laughs> nice timbre. Nice timbre. Well, man, I can't transition this one. It's not nice. April 18th, 1989. Balls complains of chest pains at her home in Beverly Hills. <laughs> drop you dick <laughs> go ahead continue <laughs> she is dying she is diagnosed with i can't i've tried <laughs> she is diagnosed uh with a dissecting aortic aneurysm and underwent surgery to repair her aorta um in a successful seven hour aortic valve replacement Jeez. Uh, shortly after dawn, April 26th, Balls awoke with severe back pain, uh, lost consciousness, though, pretty quick. She died at 5.47 a.m. at the age of 77. Doctors determined that uh, Balls there had succumbed to a ruptured abdominal aortic aneurysm not directly related to her surgery. Wasn't us. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. It just I, so, I had nothing to do with it. just so happened, 10 minutes after we closed her up, she died of a thing. It was, was on the totally opposite side of the body. Don't worry about it. It wasn't me. Continue. No, no. We're not going to open yeah, well, her up and look. Well, and you can't because her body was cremated. Her ashes are initially interned at Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills Cemetery in Los Angeles, L.A. So this lady, man, is a pioneer. She battled CBS to broadcast her interracial marriage on television and was super successful at that, reaching one of the most watched television shows in history. She invented reruns. So she could have kids and keep her job. I don't know if you knew about that. She and what do you mean invented reruns? What's that mean? They were like the TV. Well, one, it had never happened before. No one had ever played a rerun or replayed a show. Shows were live on television. Really? In front of a live studio audience. 
they were they were all live. Yeah, they were live. Oh, yeah, they were all live. And so she gets pregnant, and she signs a contract with um, NBC, CBS, one of them. But she's like, "Wait a minute, you guys have I got to perform on the day I'm supposed to give birth to my kid." And they're like, "Yep." She's like, "Yeah, but that's not gonna I'm, that's not gonna work for me." And they're like, "Yep." So plug <laughs> in so plug in one like, of my old shows play the old show again they're like what are you talking about like i don't understand she's like yeah it's on a tape no one's gonna just play it again it was good the first time and it'll be fine again and and they're like what half the people have haven't seen it they'll enjoy it the other half have seen it and they're gonna stick around love it again again. right so she invented reruns um she also owned most of the studio space so like where they would film her and Arnie would actually buy the land, buy the building, buy the equipment, and like, hey, we'll make your show from Desilu Productions, which we just happen to own. I like that. Like, I like that. They're like the movie studios are like, yeah, I don't, I don't care, whatever. Own so your studio. in it's any fine. business venture, not any maybe, but most business ventures, if you can own as much as possible, whether it's a restaurant, you own the building instead of leasing it. You know. Oh if, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's yeah. a construction company, you own the equipment instead of. Per, you know taking it out on loan if you're if you can own as much as possible because then if something does hit if it does fall then you then you own it then you're then you're going to be able to be the man instead of work for the man let me sum up here uh lucille ball or balls we called her i didn't explain that story so basically what happened was uh while she was running her tv show um she tried being all nice and cute about it like oh hi because it's a very male dominated scene at the time and she's like, you know what? One day I just realized they're never going to take me seriously if I keep playing like the housewife. So I'm going to have to be like one of the guys in the boardroom. And so the guys are like, that lady's got balls. And she's like, hell yeah, I do. And that's how she got the nickname and how she kind of was able to trend set there. I mean, I don't really know a lot about her, her, uh, you know, behind the scenes sort of stuff on her, the history of Lucille Ball. But. Yeah. I I do recall hearing a little bit about her being a very obstinate, obstinate. No, 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 no. Before, before that, (laughs) very obstinate, very take no shit sort of person. You know, right? That was her, and 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 she was somebody in Hollywood uh, in the female persuasion that kind of, whether you liked it or not, ran the show. (laughs) She she took control. She took the reins. She was. She was the person in charge, and I mean, it was. It probably didn't hurt that her and her and her husband were there doing it together. But even that, he was a a immigrant. He was a Cuban, you know, a Cuban immigrant. So right. they they came in and they had talent and they used it and they did not take they did not take shit. I I, I didn't know about their little divorce thing there in the end. Oh yeah, yeah, on off again. Well, let me sum it up here. We got two more cards. Uh, let me just tell you, I'll sum it up like this. According to Life Magazine, Balls is quote the biggest single filler of television time. End quote. Yeah. So her yeah. show has been played and replayed more than anything else in human history, and a quote like we do, we're actually gonna do two. Did not mean to rhyme. Not that time. Quote from Lucille Ball, Ballsy, quote, the best thing I learned from working with the Stooges was when to duck. It's true. (laughs) Your your timing has to be right so you don't get hurt in a scene. The Stooges were always teaching people on set how to duck. Heads up. Quote from Desi Arnaz, Arnie himself, quote, 
The straw hat is a typical hat Cubans use. It's cool and keeps the sun away from your face. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, everybody. Oh, I was happy with this subject. When when I was guessing, I was kind of screwing around just like guessing whatever. But it, it <laughs> sounded right. But you said, yep, that's it right there. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, you nailed Desi Arnaz. You said Ricky Ricardo. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, they were uh, they were a force to be reckoned with. That was a good story. I did not know a lot Dude. of that stuff. But, I mean, I wa- I've seen every single one of their shows, I bet you. Game changers. Yeah. Absolute game changers. They invented the rerun. I mean, come on. And she pretty much did a whole bunch of women's lib stuff kind of behind the scenes. She wasn't out and about about it, but she was just like, yeah, no, I'm here doing the contract. I'm here talking about my TV show. Oh, just she was to me. chipping away where she could. Yep. So, yeah, good for good. Good for them. That's an interesting story. I didn't have to pass this one along to my dad, but then I have to probably talk to him about it and, you know, whatever. Listen to my do. Listen to my show, dad. It's not like we say fuck shit. Fuck all the time. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, Tom don't say that stuff, Brian. That's where I learned it. He was my den master. Shout out, Tom. Woo. So Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz both passed away late in life. I mean, they're seventies, right? Oh yeah, man. Desi was like in his eighties, pretty sure. Yeah, so they were they 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 led a full life, and they were friends, and they were successful, yeah. and they yep they died in the in did you say in the eighties in the late seventies in the eighties? That's what I said yeah. in the eighties. They're rock and roll, man. Good for them, dude. Well, it's time for some feedback. I don't know if it's my right. favorite part of the show or my second. I don't like the sound. No, the sound's not great. I'm going with second. It gets people's second, attention. Second. Fi- Even though this is the only way that Brian got me to come back to do the show on a remote broadcast. Because he's like, <laughs> Ben, I got so much feedback. You, We got YouTube people saying things. And this guy right here, he's stalking us on Facebook. Which Oh, God. Yeah, no. That's not even part of this, this episode. But I'll tell you, people. We... We used to have a we have a YouTube channel where we go fishing and uh, yeah, a guy tracked us down to be a, like, hey, well, do more crime and music. He's on our fishing YouTube channel, so <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Which the fish, that fishing shows like, it's what? hilarious. It's so bad. <laughs> oh, it's great! It's got your brother Nick. I reckon go check it out, guys. One last cast. It's, uh, it's yeah, like great. a one par- last cast. It's like a parody of uh, like an outdoor show, like a fishing show you might watch on. You know, like an outdoor network sort of thing. It's oh yeah, man. No, it's great. Check it. Check it out. One last cast. How <laughs> was going off about the ice shanties? <laughs> and Nick I'm... yells at me from across the lake. Write it's a book. <laughs> what are you writing a book? Yeah, All I right. Love it. Well, that's our feedback. If we could get Nick to call into the show, that would be great. I'll call him right now. I bet he's up. Come on. He's got... I'm sure he is. Yeah, he's probably relaxing. Got the kids in bed. Whatever. Well, speaking of other YouTube comments, we are on YouTube. Check us out. We got a comment on our Victor Willis, the Village People episode. And uh, we got a comment from Valium. Valium says, I have a laser disc on my wall. We we're talking about laser discs. I have a laser disc on my wall between Sid Vicious and the Joker. Everybody thinks this is a joke. Uh, and this was a true joke in a way. I love your podcast. Have a nice day. Thanks for the laughs. And so that was Valium. Uh, Valium. Valium, hold on. For the record, I live in Quebec. I usually speak French. I play music, but never kill anyone. Oh, and that's well, Valium, all right, everybody. So thank you, Valium. Appreciate that. It's Quebec. 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 Everybody loves fishing in Quebec. 
Uh, we got a couple speak pipes. You want to hear a speak pipe? Uh, I just like to say that I'd like to go to Quebec here real soon. I, I mean, I, I don't need a lot of excuse to get the get the vaccination, but my biggest driving force is I want to go back up north, going fishing, go fishing, go fishing. Want to go fishing? Right. Everybody loves fishing in Quebec. Uh, we got a couple of speak pipes. Speak pipe. Woo! Speak pipe. You want to hear speak pipe? Absolutely. We got a speak pipe from from our man Skittles with a Z. Hey Benita, glad to meet you. For the cunning, stunning you miss, I must beseech you. Hey, being with you is a top priority. Ain't no need to question the authority. Chairman of the board, the chief of affections, you got minds to swing in your direction. Hey, you're like a hip-hop song, you know? Benita Applebaum, you gotta put me on. Benita Applebaum by Skittles, everybody! Woo! I, that's the first one he's he's given us, and I don't recognize it. What is it? Uh, Benita Applebaum, man, I feel like that's a... People are screaming at their. No, I don't know that. It's it's it, it's a rap song. I, I've no, I've heard it. Well, I know it's I a rap think song. Off the top of my song. Well, sorry, <clears throat> professor. Uh, that's all right. I got another one that's not a rap song. Now, this was an interesting story. You remember Valium, who just talked about the laser disc? Yeah, right. Stuff, yeah, yeah. From Quebec. From Quebec. We got into a chat on Facebook one night. I was up doing research for an episode, and all of a sudden, bloop, my Facebook blows up on on crime and music. And I look at it, and it's like, hey, I'm Val. I'm crazy Canadian. Uh, Michelle's not your number one fan. No offense, Michelle. Uh, but I'm your number one fan. And so we started chatting back and forth, and Val is a crazy Canadian. And you know what? Uh, she left us a speak pipe also. So let's listen to Val. Hi, guys. I've got some cards for you. Huh? Repeat after me. Justin. Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Justin Trudeau. Priscilla Beaulieu. Priscilla Beaulieu. Je bois du lait dans un sac. I drink milk in a bag. It's my nurse 36 outside. Il fait moins 36 dehors. Je vis au-dessus du 48e parallèle. I live above the 48th parallel. Oh. Did you know Gigi Allen, guys? Your number one fan name isn't Michelle, it's Val, the mad Canadian. I knew a lot of the stuff that you speak about, but I had to check one thing, mm. and you're right, there's a legal age to drink in Canada. Hmm. Can you add a button on your website so I can you uh, can pay you a virtual, please? I send you a dolphin on LSD emoji and a rocking chair emoji. <laughs> what is going on, Ryan? It's Val, the Mad Canadian. I has I have I have spent many many nights in Montreal, and Ooh. the girl Ooh. the women there are beautiful. They're absolutely they just they have a different I they have the the way they carry themselves, the way they talk, the way they dress, the way they look, the how they're they're very focused on their appearance, and and Ooh. Yeah, ooh, la la. <laughs> so. 
I don't know how this well, one from Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball to hot chicks in uh, hot chicks in Montreal, but whatever, man. Well, because we're talking about hot chicks in Montreal, you're right. It's probably time for us to wrap it up for another week. Man, if you like what you've heard, uh, check us out, everybody. Go to uh, leave a review, if you'd like, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. That's always helpful. You can go to crimeandmusic.com. Leave us a speak pipe like you just heard from Val and from uh, Skittles there. Uh, You can find us on all the social medias, at crimeinmusic, um, C-R-I-M-E-I-N-M-U-S-I-C, crimeinmusic. We love hearing from you guys. My God, thanks for listening. There's a guy in St. Louis... Uh, I know you're out there listening, buddy. We're going to get to you next time we are back on the air. So uh, wherever you're listening, here, there, everywhere, boy, uh, get a hold of us. We love hearing from you. That's why we do the show. Man, you got anything else to to throw out there for the people? So we got a lady from Quebec calling us, and then this guy from Saint Louis. That all these French people. I didn't know we had oh, such a French. So much, so much, so much French. It's the French takeover. Ooh la la. Well, if you want to be a French takeover, reach out, talk to us. But uh, other than that, we'll be back. uh, Same bat time, same bat channel for another music history, true crime podcast about people in and around the music business. And if uh, you like that, hit us up. And like the song says, never trust a big butt and a smile. All right, so I hit I can hit the stop button. Uh